Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Well, hey, fellas, welcome again to Man Challenge, the digital edition with Sam Reeder and Chris Burke. We are in our third week of a series in the Psalms. This week, we're going to be in Psalm 42. Um, but I want to say quickly, we've, we've spent some time over the last couple of weeks jumping into uh, to some huddles with our table leaders via Zoom, as well as jumping into some groups. And it's been a, a blessing and a joy to see you men, to pray with you men, to hear what's going on in your worlds. I do want to give a quick shout out to Table 1B. They told me to show up um, to their meeting with a crazy shirt because it was crazy shirt day. And I believed them. Would that be Buddy Bockwig's table? Who's this? Uh, table I think there would be? be Austin Clemens, okay. Jeff Gardner, oh, William Morrow. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah. Showed okay. up with crazy shirt in hand, and nobody else was wearing a crazy shirt. Mm. So I've been hat. <laughs> Classic. That's a, you're a liar. You're sinners. Oh, That's what that is. Jeffrey. Uh-huh. But today we are, we're going to be in Psalm 42. So Sam, why don't you go ahead and read that for us and pray. <clears throat> uh, Psalm 42. To the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through it. Uh, Lord, as we study the Psalm of Lament, would you teach us to be godly men who lament well in a way that honors you, in a way that remembers you, uh, in a way that teaches us to hope and to remember. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, it's a sort of a, you, you mentioned, Sam, a Psalm of Lament, kind of a sad tone throughout the entirety of this psalm. Hmm. Uh, but what right off the bat stands out to you? I think that just that little heading at the beginning, uh, to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Yeah. Uh, I would love to know what in the world uh, those <laughs> words mean. Yeah, uh, some of your, your footnotes in your Bible might explain a little bit of that. If you see a, a little number or letter next to that, you can run down to the bottom. A mascal 
it says probably as a literary or a, a musical term. Um, and then the sons of Korah were a, were a group of, of musicians who they were Levitical. So their job was to help the people of God in ancient Israel worship him. And so what that kind of tells us about this is that, again, this is a song. If you remember at the beginning of these Psalms, uh, we said that this, the word Psalm literally means song. And this is a, a group written song, but it's coming from the perspective of an individual. So uh, Sam used the term, a Psalm of lament. And that is exactly what this is. And I'm, I'm excited to dive into this because what this is, is a, a man of God taking his sorrow, his grief, his sadness, even his depression before the Lord. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited for us to learn how to do this. It's gonna kind of serve as a template for us, but I think, I think men have a hard time with this personally. Um, why do you all think men have a hard time with sorrow, with sadness, with grief? What do you guys think? Um, you know, I think, I think potentially, uh, again, not, not every man, but I think in general, we, we tend to define masculinity as, you know, I, I got this, I can handle this. Yeah. Um, I'm tougher than my circumstances or, um, you know, I'm weak if I show uh, sorrow yeah. or grief specifically about, um, things happening to me. You know, I, I know for me personally, it's, I'm, I, it's easier for me to feel uh, compassion for you than it is for me to mm. let you in on what I'm struggling with, you mm. know? Um, but you know, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think men are pretty good at complaining to, Ooh. to each other. Sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, if we're being honest, but sometimes not lamenting to God. So I, I don't know, Sam, how you would define the difference in those two things, but, or if you've observed that yourself, um, just to kind of the difference between complaining to each other and lamenting to God. Yeah, to, to speak to your first point, I totally agree. I think a lot of it just at its most foundational level is is a comparison of strength versus weakness. Yeah. We don't want to go there because we view it as a weakness, mm -hmm. maybe as something the opposite gender does that we don't. Mm. I think some of that can get confused, especially with our men. If you grew up in a traditional uh, home, mm -hmm. a lot of times a very traditionalist mentality is women are emotional, men are not women are weak, men are strong, mm. something like that, that, you know, obviously is not real biblical. Yeah. Uh, but to your second point, um, I think there's different ways to lament. I think there's a guy, a lot of guys that lament, uh, to a substance, to a bottle mm. yeah. and they run to that instead of running to God. Uh, I think you, to your point of complaining, I think as we get into this text, I think we'll see there's a big difference between just acknowledging a problem and staying there or acknowledging a problem and then taking it to the only one who can mm -hmm. solve the problem. Um, which, I, which I think also a piece of this, maybe we're not good at lamenting to God because maybe that defines our, it shows the way we define our relationship with God. Yep. You know, if I view God as a uh, magic genie, I'm not going to take uh, sorrow to him. I might ask him to fix my problem. Yeah but I'm not going to share my heart with him and bear my soul to him. Um, so, you know, maybe that's part of the issue is we don't view God as our helper and our um, ever-present help in time of need, yeah. more, more so as he's kind of distant. That's good. And I think you're both kind of truthfully looking at unpacking what some of the psalm leads us through. And so mm -hmm. that's exactly what we're going to do, fellas, is... Um, 
Psalm 42, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about Psalm 43 as well today. Uh, but this teaches us what to do in times of sorrow, despair, suffering, grief, um, isolation, and loneliness. And if, if there's ever been a time, uh, now's the time, right? I mean, I know I talked to a lot of table leaders and, and men in the, in the ministry this week, and we've got guys who have lost family members to COVID. We've got guys who have lost jobs. Uh, and so I want to encourage you with the reality of God's word, equipping us to take these griefs to him. So we're going to do exactly that in this psalm. But I, I, what, looking at the entirety of the psalm, Burke, what, what stood out to you right off the bat? Well, I, I thought it was interesting. The word soul is used six times in this psalm. Yeah. And, um, you know, soul is, we hear... Uh, that word throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd love to get a, a biblical definition of the word soul. Yeah, it's kind of one I take for granted at times. I read it and sort of assume I know what it means. So mm -hmm. you asked that earlier this week. And I, that's a great question. So I did some research and looked into some of the Bible commentaries and dictionaries. Um, it's a really, really broad term. Mm. So you see it, it means um, a living being, uh, but really what it's insinuating is, is yourself, mm -hmm. like the essence of who you are. It's a term that represents Chris, represents Sam, represents Mason. In, in the creation account in Genesis 2, God is creating Adam and it says he breathes into him, he breathes life into him and Adam became a soul, a living being. So it's kind of the essence of who we are. And I think that's a really insightful question because yeah, it runs all throughout this psalm, but especially as we look at, we're going to talk through kind of five practices of lamenting. They all start with P. I'm not a big alliteration guy. <laughs> yeah, right. But it worked out. Uh, and the first one is pour out your soul. When we experience trial, strife, grief, reason for sorrow, the first thing we see the psalmist do here in these first four verses is pour out his soul. And that's what we're called to do. So let's kind of run through those first four, four, four verses, uh, the three of us, and see what, what's going on in this dude's soul, this specific guy. So I, I see verse one as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? So I'm seeing the, the biggest issue right off the bat with his soul is he's not experiencing the presence of God. I, I miss God. That's mm -hmm. what he's saying, right? What are you all seeing in, in two, three, and four? I love the language. You know, mm -hmm. um, we don't really talk like this. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it, again, like we talked about last week, like the, the language is really beautiful when you, when you land there and you think about this concept of panting mm -hmm. uh, for God, just this thirst uh, for him. Uh, and I, I just love the term living God, mm. not again, not a distant God, mm. not a, uh, a God that was handed down to me from somebody that kind of forced it on me kind of thing, but it, the living God, the God who's active, you know, it, I love the scripture. It talks about the, the word of God is active. It, it cuts sharper than a double-edged sword. What were you about to say? Well, that's a really good distinction because I think he, this guy doesn't disbelieve. Right. I'm not experiencing him. He's out there. Yeah. He's living. He's mm -hmm. moving. He's mm -hmm. doing. I don't feel his presence. Right. I am lamenting over that. That's a really good distinction. What do you see? Well, I would just say, and then, then quickly, yeah. just that, that piece there on, you know, that when can I go and, and meet with him? Mm. Um, and Sam, I don't know what that says to you, but I, I just 
kind of had one of those mornings this morning, actually, where you know, I've said this before. Not every morning you meet with God is a one you circle is, and that was a yeah. powerful meeting. But for me, for whatever reason, and not to get into the depths of it, you know, I just I, I felt a proximity to God this morning that was different than uh, than other mornings. And um, I walked out and I I grabbed my son by his face. I got four of them, but the first one I saw, I grabbed him by his face and I said, I just want to tell you, son, one day somebody's going to ask you what your dad taught you. And I hope the first thing out of your mouth is my dad taught me to meet with God. Mm. Because when you meet with him and he speaks to you, clearly there is nothing, no thing, no, no, no time spent, no skill learned, no game won. Yeah that adds up or even compares to time spent with the Lord. Mm. Uh, and so my encouragement for the guys out there that are really struggling, and maybe you are in a season of lament, man, meet with God. Yeah. Uh, and I, my prayer is that you would thirst or, or pant uh, for uh, time with God. And what a beautiful time to live post the resurrection where we don't need to go to a place mm. or have a mediator uh, to, to meet with God. We can do that wherever we so choose. That's good. I think a beautiful promise straight from the mouth of Jesus to kind of couple with what you just said is Matthew 5, 6, right at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst mm. for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, that takes me back to Psalm 1, that blessed man who's next to those streams. Uh, panting and thirsting your soul is so thirsty for God and then to meet with him and to be assured you'll be refreshed uh, yeah. that's an encouragement it is for sure but these these first four verses to be fair he's not experiencing that right not right. he's not refreshed right. yet sure. he's he longing for that he's longing for it and I just kind of want to point out I think some of the most impactful times uh, in my faith walk has, has been when people have said things that so deeply resonated with me that I, I can't have manufactured that myself like they I was known even through a podcast through a through Kyle's teaching mm -hmm. just known and what I love about this these verses is he's, he says my tears have been my food day and night man's man's crying he's yeah, crying a lot a lot and day and night so he's losing sleep he's he's got some deficiency of hunger probably there are signs mm -hmm. of clinical depression like he is not just this isn't a a rainy day. Mm -hmm. This is a season. Yeah. I'm missing the experience of knowing my God. I'm, I'm pouring out my soul. And it, one last thing I think to clarify, especially in light of COVID, how I used to go to the house of God under his protection with the shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Uh, he misses people. Mm. He, he misses the Lord, but he also misses the people of the Lord. And so, fellas, as, as you grieve, as you learn, uh, whether for yourself or for others in, in your midst in this season, you have to pour out your soul to God. And here's what's, what's cute, beautiful about this. We're not surprising God with any of this information. He's not like, oh, no way. You're set. Wow. So why would he ask for this? First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's the first part of relationship, uh, that, intimacy, that intimacy, that care, that love. He wants to know you. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we do in lamenting is pour our souls out to him. Um, but then he moves on, verse 5, and 
you mentioned this right up very, at the very beginning of this, Burke, and I think it is really insightful. Um, he's sort of complaining to the Lord here. Here's my situation. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm doing. Uh, but he doesn't stop there. Verse five, he says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. Real quick. Yeah. He's talking to his own soul, right? Absolutely. Back to your point of showing signs of clinical depression. He's essentially, you know, he's his, his flesh and his soul and his spirit. I mean, he's, he's waging war against himself in some regards yeah. here. So, and that's, that's the next practice of lamenting is, uh, pursue self-awareness. You need to go from listening to yourself and your circumstances and your woes and your griefs to talking to yourself. He's pursuing self-awareness. And here, this, this verse, you see it in verse five, it's repeated again in verse 11. Mm-hmm. And then Psalm 43, which is likely a part of this song, repeats it the exact same way again in its final verse. And so what you see here, you remember poetry, Hebrew poetry, um, repetition, insinuates importance. This is like the chorus of a song. Yeah. Like when you're at a wedding, everybody's humming along yep. and then it says, sweet Caroline. Everybody knows the words. That wasn't bad. Yeah, I've been working on it <laughs> uh, a lot during my practice okay. for this. A, a lot, lot. A lot of work a for lot. it. But this, this sort of functions as the chorus, as the overarching, in light of my circumstances, here's what I do. Mm. And he does two things in that little verse in five and in 11 and then 43 verse five. First is he pursues self-awareness. You said it really well. He starts talking to his own heart. This is not a rhetorical question. He's not saying what's going on and then listing his circumstances mm. again. He's looking inward. There's, there's introspection and he's looking for idols, essentially. He's saying, um, something has led me to believe that things aren't okay and that there's some deficiency that I have. What is it? So he starts digging. He starts getting around the roots, digging, running after that. Um, so I would like to hear practically, uh, idolatry is, is the fight of faith as a Christian. We're always looking for what we're replacing God with. What are practical ways that you guys pursue self-awareness, look for idolatry in your life? I think for me, I, one of the measuring sticks I run to a lot is Galatians 5.22, fruit of the spirit. Mm. Uh, if I'm wondering what's going on inside of me, uh, I just look at through that lens. And if I'm lining up or if I'm not, it's pretty telling. Mm. Uh, that's a great, a great word I would say that you could perhaps consider committing to memory. Uh, to be reminded that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Uh, those are great things that in any moment, the heat of an argument or uh, you got a bad phone call with some terrible news, to pause and run through that list in your mind to remind yourself that's what walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit looks like, but to really reflect yourself and to say, is that what's coming out mm-hmm. of me? Is that what's going on? That's something for me that I run to to try to be aware because it's easy to lie to yourself and yeah. say, no, 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 I'm in the right. I'm good. Uh <laughs> I'm not, I'm not in turmoil. They're in turmoil. Mm-hmm. I'm good. But if I really look, is there peace? Am I being gentle with my kids? Am yeah. I kind with my wife? That's something that I think a measuring stick, at least, that I run to. No, and That's I think as it's well said. Like, but, but I think the crux of that is where do you go mm-hmm. for the criteria to measure yourself? 
not a podcast, not a, a learned dude's book, uh, not a TV show, uh, not your group of friends. You, you go to scripture and Source. you say, okay, here's, here's my checklist. And we know that following Jesus isn't a checklist. Um, and this, in, in which you, you clearly articulated is not, you're not measuring, am I saved or not? But, but we want to present an image of Christ that is attractive to others. To do that, we need to be walking in step with the spirit. The fruits of the spirit are clearly defined for us in Galatians. And I think it is a very helpful uh, exercise in a lot of walks in life. How am I doing? You know, I'm on a new diet. We talked about this in our men's group, uh, in our man challenge group Thursday. I'm on a diet. How's it going? Yeah. I've been at it for 14 days. Okay. Have I lost weight? Are my clothes fitting different? Do I, yeah, I look different in the mirror? Like sometimes we maybe are afraid to reflect hmm. because we're not really sure we want the answers. Right. Um, I remember as an athlete, man, it's one of my biggest regrets of my career. I think just that stubborn pride and a little bit of that fear. I did not ask enough questions of my coaches. How am I doing? Wow. Where can I get better? I wish I had done that more. Um, and so as men that, that long to present an image of the gospel that's attractive to others and make Christ known in our lives, we have to be aware of how we're doing in that, you know? And um, unfortunately, there's probably not a lot of people in this world that are willing to give us a clear, uh, usually your wife will probably be pretty fair in that, but uh, account of how we're doing. So man, it's incumbent upon us as men to get our nose in God's word. Uh, I love the way James put it, right? Uh, you know, the, the, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But this, this, this concept of like, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and if I'm doing what the word says, mm. then I'm walking in faith. If I'm not, then it's like, it's like I've forgotten what I look like. So uh, I think self-awareness is a huge piece of um, growing in our faith. And, and, and again, not for the purposes of people thinking we're, we're good, a good Christian, or, yeah. but to make the gospel attractive to others. Yeah, I think that's a, I think something funny about self-awareness is everybody thinks they're self-aware. Like everybody <laughs> thinks they've got some level of emotional yeah. intelligence, but surely there's a spectrum. But to your point, it is... Uh, it is worth our while. And man, I think I hear a lot of guys who will do what the word says. They'll serve others. They'll run, they'll go, they'll do. They don't take the time to pursue introspection, to be known by the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, we, the beauty of being known by him and helping him or having him help us know ourselves, we get to assess our hopes in that. So that's that first part of verse five is pursue self-awareness, assess your hopes, ask why, why, why. Run to God's word. Why am I not okay? Why, why am I lacking fruit of the spirit? I had a conversation with my wife yesterday. We got about halfway through it and I was like, ooh, I'm upset. Why? And I ran down the trail and I wanted some affirmation and homegirl was not giving it. She mm -hmm. was, had no need to. And so I got to see an idol right there and I got to admit it and confess it to her. Mm. But some introspection is, is how the Lord helps us grow. Second, uh, he says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So we assess, we introspectively look, we see where our hopes lie, and then we shift. 
we take our hopes and we place them elsewhere. And where do we place them? In God. And I, I want to be clear too, this is not a um, buck up. This isn't a like man up, don't, don't be wrong. It's a, a shift of gaze. I'm, I'm looking at this thing for my um, identity, for my affirmation, for my security, for my comfort, for my peace. That needs to be shifted to putting my hope in God. And the rest of 42 and 43 really kind of show us how to do that. So we'll sort of explore that. Um, so the psalmist is putting his hope in God. He starts in verse six. He says, my soul is downcast within, in, within me. Therefore, I will remember you mm. from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. So the first thing he's doing here, and here's your, your third or fourth P, preach to yourself. We, we've got to go from listening to ourselves, Burke said it earlier, from listening to our souls to talking to our souls. He's preaching to himself. And the first thing he's doing is remembering God's faithfulness. I'm remembering, and to give some context for this verse, I think we read that and we're like, what's a, who's Jordan? What's Mount Hermon? What's Mount Mazar? Hmm. What the psalmist is saying here is he's saying, I'm in a region that's north of Galilee. I'm up near Mount Hermon. God's presence in the Old Testament, you said it last week, exists in the temple, which is in Jerusalem. Yeah, I'm far from you. I am far from God. Physically. Physically, I am far. I feel mm-hmm. far, but I'm remembering who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm counting on your faithfulness. I'm remembering your characteristics, preaching to myself. And so that's something we need to actively engage in. This is not a passive exercise that we cross our fingers and hope for. But Sam, how would you, as a Christian, I think that's a little different. We get to do this a little bit different than the psalmist who maybe looks to Old Testament events. We have Christ. So how would you, if you're this psalmist as a Christian, preach to yourself? Sure. Um, it's a great question. I think one major distinction is what you basically were just unpacking is it used to be a geographical thing that the presence of God was in a certain place. Now, yeah. thanks to Jesus, he lives in my chest. Uh-huh. And that's hard to comprehend, but the same spirit, that same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in every believer. Mm. I mean, that's huge. So in light of that, for me, if I need to preach to myself, I, I run to seasons, I run to valleys that God has led me out of. And not only led me out of, but I, that I can oftentimes in hindsight remember him walking with me. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that in Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, seasons of... You know, our son was super young and had to have a four-hour surgery. That was scary. Uh, and they put him under, and he was a year old. And, man, I was nervous. Hmm. And, and God brought us through that. And I can remember before that, for years, pregnancy test after test after test, hmm. negative, and feeling like you're stuck in that valley. But now, on the other side, remembering God's faithfulness that he delivered us from that. And to be fair, he's good and he's faithful whether we got pregnant or not. Right. But uh, if I need to preach to my heart, because it's so easy to, to on, on a whim, on the smallest things, uh, a bad swing on the golf course to act like your whole world has crumbled, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but to, to pause and reflect and to remember what he has done in my heart, in my life, how he's changed my desires and the seasons that he has walked with me and led me out of those valleys. Yeah. Uh, that's often what I run to in terms of mm-hmm. preaching to myself. That's good. Yeah. I want to make a quick plug for a journal. Uh, we had a guy, one of our table leaders, Reagan Burns, actually mentioned this in one of our huddles this week. 
writing down your prayers is an easy way to see how God has been faithful to them. That's all I'll say. I've got years of prayer requests pouring my heart out before the Lord to someone who maybe doesn't love journaling. And I get to look at that and see God's faithfulness to, to exactly what you were saying and, and Christ's faithfulness to mm. me in that. So um, yeah, so preach to yourself. One, do that by remembering his faithfulness. In verse seven, Psalmist says, deep calls to deep in the roars of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. So poetic imagery here, dude feels like he's drowning. I don't know why. I just had a, I just had a really hard time getting over that deep calls to deep, man. Like mm. somebody's got to make a song with that in it. I just, for some reason, I just, that really, that really had me. I'll send you the link. Yeah. yeah. We can put it in the table here, guys. Oh, yeah. Maybe. There's some worship songs. Were you talking about Deep Waters? Mm-mm. No. That exact line. Well, good. Hit and me up with it. And you can sing it next video. No, we won't do that, but I'll be singing it somewhere. Oh, Mason will sing it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll do this later. I just, okay, I just you? think that's a, that's just a beautiful phrase to. Yeah think about, meditate on. Yeah. When as, as we preach to ourselves, something to note here, he feels like he's drowning, but whose waterfalls, whose waves, whose, whose breakers are they? They're God's. So what he's doing here is he's, he's resting in the sovereignty of the Lord. And you, I think, articulated this really well last week in Psalm 23. Um, but how are we supposed to trust a God who gives and allows difficult circumstances? Because mm-hmm. these, these are the Lord's waves, right? How do we trust him? Man, I think similar to what Sam was just saying, you just keep reminding yourself of his faithfulness mm. um, and the the truth of scripture in season and out of season, good times and bad. Um, you know, I was, I reached out to a couple today that's going through a tough time. It's just like, man, God is for you. Mm. He's for you. Here's the scripture that backs that up, you know. Um, he's a good father. I love where, when, when Jesus talks about, you know, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will we'll give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though, are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, and that's Jesus, yeah. you know, talking there. So it's just, just reminding ourselves that God is God. His ways are... Uh, above my ways, his thoughts are above my thoughts. Isaiah uh, chapter 55 de- declares that. And I just have to rest in the fact that I, I don't see the whole picture. I can't possibly understand the things and the ways of God. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, and you just got to find rest in, in not being in control, which really, I think when you submit to that, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, even though that can be very hard in, in, difficult seasons of life. I'd I'd say one of the hardest parts of faith. I mean, you see what deters people from Christianity is how could a God allow X? How could a good God allow X? And what you're saying is um, maybe we don't have the the trump card on what is and isn't good. We don't. We don't. And I I tell you, when I get going real sideways, because I can run down those rabbit trails, I I just have to bring it back to the gospel. (laughs) Jesus lived. He died. He rose from the dead. I know that to be true. His words are true. God's story is is real. And I just have to continue to remember that 
when my mind takes me to yeah. the, the, let's be honest, the hurts of this world, whether it's to me or to a people group that I'm completely unfamiliar with. Like if we're not being honest with that, then we're being blind and, and non-compassionate to, to the true hurt and messiness of this world. Yeah. And that's a, to piggyback on that, as we put our hope in God, Paul says in First Thessalonians 4, that we grieve. This guy's grieving. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he's not pretending his circumstances don't exist. He's sad, but we don't grieve as those who do without hope. Mm. We've got hope, and that hope comes from a God who took the worst circumstance in history, the death of God on the cross, flipped that and turned that into the means of redemption for all of humanity. Like That's who we trust. Mm-hmm. That's very well said on your part. Um, he goes on then, he's, so he's preaching to himself, he's, he's re- remembering God's faithfulness, resting in God's sovereignty. And then in verse eight, he says, by day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So now he's, he's reminding himself of God's presence. I feel far from him, but he's here. His song is with me day and night. I know, uh, and I am with God. So reiterate before we move into this last point, when we lament we're called to pour our souls out to him. Honestly, in, in weakness and in brokenness, we, we pursue self-awareness, introspection, and assess our hopes. We shift our hopes. We put our hope in God. We do that by preaching to ourselves, as we saw in these last couple of verses. And then Psalm 43 makes really, really clear, we've got to petition to him. We need to petition to God. I'm, I won't read the whole Psalm, uh, but, but you should, and, and catch these verbs and who's the object, who's the subject. Vindicate me, my God. Plead my cause. Rescue me. You are my God and my stronghold. Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. So we, we've got to preach to ourselves, but ultimately we've got to run to the only uh, being who gives hope as we try and place our hope in him and say, God, help me. Petition to a good, good father. As run to the writer. Run to the writer, the savior, your, your lover, your friend, your brother, your father. That's who he is. All of those things ultimately. What you got? Quickly just clarify for us because uh, it, it could be just human nature. When we hear petition uh, and we see something's repeated three times, is yeah. that something that maybe scripture saying, well, you need to run to God a certain number of times and then he'll respond to you? Or what is kind of meant? What's the heart behind why we petition him and bring it back over and over? Uh, that's a good question. No, there's not a formula. If, mm. Is that sort of what you're asking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's not a formula here. And what's helpful, I skipped these verses, but 9 and 10, he's saying, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning? Why am I being oppressed by the enemy? He's still continuing to pour his soul out. This isn't a step A, B, C, D, E. These are the practices of lamenting. That's good. We gotta be doing all of these all the time in our sorrows, honestly, continuously pouring out our soul. And what we see here is not an answer to his why questions. We're studying Job at church right now. Job had a lot of why questions and God answered none of them, but said, hey, who, who are you talking yeah, to? Yeah, just remember, yeah. I'm God. And so that is, that is what we see here is he asks why. He doesn't, Job asked why. It's not sinful, but it is sinful to hold that answer against the Lord because that's become your idol. That's become your God. If I don't know or have or understand this, uh, you're not good. We've replaced the Lord. And so we petition to him continuously to mm. your question. Good. Not once, not twice, but always we run to the God who is our help. So and I'll just say real quick too, that, you know, guys, there's a couple times the psalmist says in here, uh, his foes are taunting him. His enemies are mocking his faith. Uh, that's not a new 
concept. Yeah. That you're not the only guy who feels like you're alone in your faith or your buddies are poking at you for what you believe, especially in a time where maybe God um, is working in ways that we don't understand. So I would just, again, Scripture's authentic, man. It, it doesn't hide any human emotion that is uh, not still real today. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I take solace in that yeah like this psalmist it is right i mean you know it's real it's real that's a real emotion man my my foes my friends the people around me are mocking my faith and he's taking that to god Mm -hmm. so fellas I, i hope we hope this is helpful in helping you interact with god as we experience emotions that aren't always trustworthy we want to turn to the god who is trustworthy and that's what we're doing today and so to reiterate once more and then burke will you pray for us Mm -hmm. As you grieve, as you experience despair and loneliness and sorrow, pour out your soul to him. Uh, Honestly, pursue self-awareness, shift your hope, uh, preach to yourself, take your heart in hand and then petition to the God who knows, cares, loves you and wants to give you what you need. Will you pray? Yeah. Father God, um, we just pause and and, uh, offer this time up to you. Um, God, I pray that that, um, we um, as men here today in 2020 can um, learn from the psalmist thousands of years ago that uh, you do not um, care if we are struggling, God, that you welcome that. You welcome our our hurt, our laments, God, our pain, our questions, our doubts, God. You, you, you do not run from that. You do not uh, call us to bottle that up or to keep that in, uh, but you welcome that, God. And uh, I just pray that in these times, as the psalmist said uh, in verse 6, God, that when our soul is downcast within us, that we would remember you, God. Remember your faithfulness. Remember how you showed love for us through Jesus on the cross and uh, put the same power that rose him from the grave in our chest. And so, God, we just remember that. Uh, we remember that here in this place, God. Uh, and so I pray specifically for all those that are really hurting right now, whether it be a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one or they're just struggling with their faith or loneliness and isolation, God, uh, would you remind us uh, that you are God, that you are for us and that you love us uh, and that you displayed that clearly for us through Jesus. Uh, We pray all that in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.